You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we interview Lucy Holmans, Air Traffic Organization Cybersecurity Manager at the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA. She discusses the role that emerging technologies, such as AI and automation, play at the FAA. We discuss some of the biggest challenges facing the aviation industry and the role that cybersecurity and zero trust play to safeguard our skies. She also shares how the FAA works with other agencies, such as the U.S. Space Force, in ways you might not expect. Stay tuned. and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And we really want to thank you so much. You've heard from many of you, our podcast listeners, really enjoying some of the interviews that we have with a lot of folks uh, representing the public sector pretty broadly, not just our friends here in the U.S., federal government, but also state and local and even international governments. And many of you really enjoy the breadth of coverage that we are doing, focusing on AI and automation and analytics and Big data and cyber, a little bit of quantum even, IT modernization, uh, automation, all those good things. And that's what this is really all about. I mean, this Go Future podcast is really the place where to go to hear these interviews with public sector thought leaders and insights into how governments and public sector agencies are adopting and adapting transformative technology. And of course, many conversations on some of these hot topics that are focusing on helping you, our listeners, understand where innovation is heading. And of course, also our GovFuture members learn the latest innovations and best practices to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector. Exactly. So if you're not familiar with GovFuture and our GovFuture community, it's the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com. We say that in all the podcasts and we link to it in all the podcasts as well, but we do encourage you to check that out. We love to have interviews with you know different thought leaders in the public sector because it really does help us get a you know broad holistic view of what's going on. So for today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Lucy Holmans, who's who is Air Traffic Organization Cybersecurity Manager at Federal Aviation Administration in the U.S. Department of Transportation. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us today, Lucy. Thank you for having me. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and what you do at the FAA. Sure. Um, I've been with the federal government, you know, I guess don't want to show my age here, but 33 years now. Um, so I started with the, the, actually the Department of the Navy uh, testing GPS receivers. So GPS is, was different back then than it is today. So it was more military. Um, now we use it for everything. Uh, so I started there and then I ended up going to the FAA about 27 years ago um, to, to really then get, I really kind of branched off into many different types of, of areas, whether it's voice switching, et cetera. And I ended up in telecommunications back in 2000. Uh, and telecommunications is really where I started uh, looking at cybersecurity. Uh, back then in 2000 for the FAA, we really were just trying to even learning how to spell cybersecurity. Uh, but that really is what kind of launched really what we needed to do from a cybersecurity perspective uh, from an agency uh, really kind of started back then in terms of, hey, this is something that we're going to have to address eventually. Uh, back in 2014, I totally became cy cyber centric uh, within the agency. Uh, and then we also had some some 
OIG and GAO audits that basically said, hey, you know, from an FAA standpoint, especially in the air traffic organization, you really need a focus, right? So we had a lot of the cyber pieces really embedded into the programs. So they really needed a focal. And so this is the organization that was created back in 2017, and which is now uh, the organization that I'm, I'm overseeing, um, is, is just that focus. So we, we do everything from creating requirements to ensuring that the contracts include cybersecurity to coming up with enterprise solutions uh, and external engagements, uh, as well as any type of, of testing and authorizations that you need uh, in order for systems to operate in the air traffic environment. So it's, it's been kind of, I've been kind of lucky in terms of the types of technologies I've engaged with. So you kind of just think about GPS and telecommunications and cyber. Uh, it wasn't a planned path, but it was definitely those areas that uh, right now are very hot. And, they, and indeed they are. <laughs> and they will continue to be for a while. Things just keep evolving and keep uh, emerging. That's the interesting thing about technology. And for some of our, our listeners, they actually may, may be familiar with the stuff we do. We were originally doing this AI in government, and it used to be very AI-specific and also host of the AI Today podcast. But all these things are becoming really interconnected. AI, analytics, big data, cyber, because we're using the tools of one to impact the other. And all these areas are combining in interesting ways. And I think that's a really good uh, point to ask this question here. Like in, in, from your perspective, you know, how have you seen the role of emerging technologies such as AI and cyber play together and in the work of FAA and perhaps some of these other things that we talked about with analytics and big data and the cloud? I can just go on and on. Right. So I, I think with everything going on, um, especially when you start thinking about the new entrance, right, when you talk about, you know, advanced air mobility, when you start talking about the whole space segment, which is exploding right now in terms of the number of launches that we're doing. Uh, it, yeah. So all of this data, right, it's now processing data, ensuring that from an FAA standpoint, we're keeping everything safe. How do we now not only integrate that AI from a technology standpoint to, to do our services, but also from a cyber standpoint to understand, hey, how do we now use something like AI to better under, better detect cybersecurity incidences. We have a whole bunch of data. We have a lot of systems. We have over a hundred different types of, of systems within the operational environment. Uh, and so now it's, it's a matter of now, how do you take that data and which there's a lot of in any given minute or hour uh, and now be able to process it to even see if there's something anomalous there. Uh, so now we are starting to use um, AI for that purpose exactly. So now we're looking at all that traffic and saying, hey, what is what is normal behavior? Uh, what is something that's anomalous that could potentially be cyber? And so definitely uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is helping us significantly with trying to sort through that data as opposed to what we've had to do in the past, which is really after the fact, look through the data to see if it was something that was cyber specific. Uh, now we're able to now better able to engage and, and understand because we do have a 24 by 7 uh, cybersecurity operations group that, that does monitor for cybersecurity uh, types of incidences. And this now enables them to better see and understand a lot more quickly quickly, uh, whether or not there is a cyber incident there. Uh, but even in terms of authenticating, so now, you know, we're trying to understand we're a global type of agency, right? We have to interoperate uh, internationally. So, you know, what is that framework now that we need to create to ensure that, you know, we're we're speaking to or thinking that we're ex exchanging data uh, with the right entities or the entities that we're thinking about? You know, AI will also enable that type of, of activity as well. So we can actually then start looking at behaviors, right? And, and start 
start looking at the patterns to really then help us with and enhance, right? That authentication piece uh, that needs to happen as well. Uh, but definitely we're trying to engage at many levels and trying to understand not only the implications on the opposite side from a bad actor using it, but then now how do we use that technology in, in defense of that as well? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting you brought up data. I feel like no matter what conversation we have, data always comes up, right? And we talk about this DIKUW pyramid a lot too, where if listeners aren't familiar with that, it starts with data, then information, uh, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, the DIKUW pyramid, but everything builds upon data. And it's so, I think, you know, incredibly important. Also, in general, people have started to get a better understanding of their data footprint, how data is used, how much data is being created on a daily basis now, both structured and unstructured data. So unstructured data is, I think, you know, really leading the way with what's being created with emails and documents and, you know, videos, uh, things that aren't, you know, nice and labeled in spreadsheets and columns. So, you know, we have to pay attention to that. And we talk about emerging technologies a lot too, but with the increasing reliance on technology and aviation, you know, we've really made some wonderful advancements, but what are some of the biggest challenges facing the industry with emerging technology and how has the FAA, um, how are they addressing this? Yeah, to me, the the one of the biggest challenges, right, is is the speed at which technology is, is accelerating at, at the, this point in time. I think you know we've we've learned to figure out, and we usually adapt to whatever technology comes our way. Uh, but I think right now the speed that things are happening um, and the number of different types of again the, all those new entrants that are coming in, those are, that's really the, the the piece that now we have to figure out how to quickly adapt to these different types of technologies. Because some of it is going to require some culture change. It's going to require uh, the way we do changes in the way we do business. And so having to do that in conjunction with doing that pretty quickly is probably the biggest challenge that we're facing. And so I think the FAA is really starting to understand um, that, hey, we need to really start focusing in on how we're going to adapt as quickly as, as, as necessary. And so we're looking at things like, like, contracting. Uh, you know, we need to change the way we we're, we're doing our contracts. You know, we, it used to be, you know, year, a year's, many years process, right? Sometimes decades. Um, we can't do that anymore, right? Because right now technology is changing so quickly that, you know, a year or two, those are significant um, in, in terms of that. And so the contracting area within the agency is really trying to adapt and see, hey, how do we better streamline this? How do we now accommodate, you know, the speed at which this is all happening? Uh, and, and, you know, some of the stovepiping that existed, you know, we used to live in a point-to-point world. We're now getting a lot more interconnected. Uh, so the ability to kind of just worry about the area, the, the local area around you and, and protecting that and, and worrying about that now is also changing. So now those relationships and those dependencies, whether it's you new know, within, within the U.S. or even external to the U.S., those also now need to be changed as well. So it's it, the meat of the biggest challenge is, is really mostly around the, the speed and how quickly we can adapt. I know that we can adapt. It's just how quickly can we do so before it either gets into the wrong hands, some of these technologies, or even unprepared hands, right? So they're, they're kind of both both uh, issues, no matter what how you're looking at it, because if we're not prepared to handle some of these new technologies, then obviously it can create similar types of issues as would, you know, maybe, a, you know, an ill-intended uh, bad actor out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. The pace of change continues to accelerate. And a lot of what you're talking about, I think one or two years now feels like a long time, let alone a decade. I mean, that's just forever. I mean, two years ago, we were still in the throes of the pandemic. Three plus years ago, 
we may not have even heard of the pandemic. So it's kind of like that. And then, of course, we have AI and then almost overnight new models come out that allow us to do things that were probably almost practically impossible, not just six months before that. And of course, with sharing and social media and open source, it just people start building on top of things and start building on top of things. It gets harder and harder to really keep up for it. I, I not envious position that you are in <laughs> to not only have to keep on top of it, but uh, deal with these uh, new threats are also opportunities. I mean, there's so many different ways of looking at uh, technology. So actually, that, I think that that's part of the question, because, you know, when you think we think about emerging technology and organization agencies like the FAA, we think about, oh, well, drones, obviously that changed, you know, position. That was a big thing. But not only that, we have all these other new new things around uh you know, the way that people are interacting and technology is being used with and outside of aviation. So how are you thinking about the, the these, these uh, emerging technologies in terms of the ways that they're shaping the future of aviation and air travel? And what role does the FAA play in ensuring safety, there's the safety of the use of technology and perhaps responsible integration of that technology? Well, so it's an exciting time, right? So when we talk about things like advanced air mobility, when we're you know, kind of like that Jetsons type of atmosphere, where we're kind of all kind of flying around to our different destinations, um, getting there quicker. Um, also just trying to reroute, right? And making it so that you can actually get to places a lot quicker as well, because now you're going to be relying on things like GPS, right? To better navigate and depend upon, right? So I think all these different technologies are really going to allow us and enable us to now start leveraging and, and doing all the things that we wanted to do in the past in terms of increasing the number of flights that we that we have, um, increasing or, or decreasing actually the, the time it takes to get to, to the various places, uh, enabling technologies like uh, advanced air mobility uh, and seeing how we can integrate that into the airspace, uh, understanding that even drones also now are going to have to fit into that big picture as well. So even though drones have been there now for, for a little bit, um, that integration into the air traffic environment is still something that we're we're addressing as well. And so now when you overlap that with you know the A the AAM and, and now also space, right? So you know I mentioned space earlier uh, that launches are you know really over the pandemic they really um, increased significantly. Uh, if you think about the number of, of launches that we've done just in this past year, uh, I think it's increased over sixty percent even from from last year. Uh, and so right now they're very coordinated types of activities, but as they become more commonplace. It'll be the data communication piece, right? So there and again, you're introducing a variable that isn't necessarily as controllable because now most of the communications is really going to be happening via data versus you know, how it's done today, which is mostly voice. Um, but I do think that you know once you do have all of these technologies, once you do have those capabilities, and I think we're moving more towards not necessarily managing the traffic, the specific traffic per se, but once you start inc incorporating AI, it's really managing those potential outcomes, right? Because that's one of the benefits that AI gives you is it's, it can kind of potentially come up with solutions that you hadn't even thought of. Um, and so to me, it's now changing that mindset of, hey, I need to manage these specific types of activities to, hey, I already know what the potential outcomes are, which, which one of these outcomes really is the way that we want to go. Um, so to me, I think it becomes a huge enabler uh, to that futuristic, you know, lifetime of, of the Jetsons and, you know, potential space travel and, and where we really wanted to go. And, and I think uh, things like movies and entertainment kind of help, help us picture that uh, and, and uh, help us envision what that future needs to look like. But I really do think it's, 
if it's done right, right, and if we kind of take into account everything that we need to, I, I think it's it's really going to enable us to kind of get to places we've never been been before, for sure. Yeah, you know, we all we love to look at uh, movies and science fiction and kind of see where that's taking us, but I think sometimes it also does set some unrealistic expectations of what the future actually looks like. Uh, you know, we joke a lot about even Back to the Future, the movie, and it's like looking at the dates and you're like, oh, my gosh, like we're here uh, and we don't have those shoes anymore and hoverboards. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing about Gov Future is we're really about community and bringing the you know whole public sector together and learning from others and learning best practices, because there's a lot of redundancies sometimes that happens in the public sector intentionally or unintentionally, right? Just because people aren't sharing enough and you don't know everything that's going on. So how are you looking to other agencies and their cybersecurity approach and maybe not just, you know, federal agencies, but internationally as well? Right. And so last year, the uh, ICAOS, that's the International Civil Aviation Organization, they established a cybersecurity panel. Uh, I'm actually the vice chair of that panel, but we are trying to engage uh, as much as possible internationally. Uh, there's also the cancer organization. That's also another uh, international type of, of activity as well that we also are engaging and participating in all the cybersecurity uh, subgroups and, and other types of, of active uh, subgroups as well, whether it be you know specific to navigation or any other part of, of aviation. So we are really in trying to ensure that we're putting ourselves into all these different forums. Um, there's also these information sharing uh, communities called ISACs. So there's one for each sector of the, the critical infrastructure. Uh, we were heavily involved in the aviation ISAC. I actually today just had a, a conversation with the space ISAC. Um, and so these are entities that are just that. They're there for really ensuring that you're exchanging information with industry, within government. Um, so there's so much out there that you can take advantage of, uh, but definitely, you know, we from an agency perspective are really trying to ensure that 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 wherever there is any kind of discussion around new types of technologies, um, anything that's surrounding cybersecurity that we are well represented there and that we are really trying to ensure that we're exchanging that information. And actually, even um, right now, I'm actually on a detail to the Space Force. Um, I'm there for another couple of weeks. I've been there for the past five months. But to me, that's another way of getting um, a different perspective, right? We all have very similar challenges, but the approaches are different. So I've gleaned so much from and learned so much from just being at the Space that I'm going to actually take back with me. And hopefully I've imparted some or left some, some knowledge there as well. But definitely doing that as well, encouraging employees to, to do those types of, of you know, exchanges, uh, even with private industry and government, um, those are definitely worth investing in because again, this is a it's a team effort, right? To try and really address all of these, these challenges and, and kind of thinking about, hey, doing this all on your own, those times are just not going to be possible with as quickly as, as everything is changing. So definitely changing that mindset, you know, changing the way that we engage with each other. You know, I do think information sharing in general um, is going to really, those walls are going to have to start coming down because again, there's no way to kind of move forward without having, you know, and leveraging what, what are, you know, other agencies, other, you know, industries is, is using. I um, mean, you're seeing that even with Within DOD, you know, even within the Space Force, you know, they're seeing that, hey, we're not going to be able to keep up with this. So, you know, what what can we do and actually start using the commercial infrastructure? So, the more I think that we we really start engaging and, and having these discussions and allowing employees to also change the way that we work as well, um, definitely will will help with that perspective. 
Yeah, you know, it was interesting when you were talking about space. I was like, I wonder what they're doing with the Space Force. So it's nice to know you're on that detail. I mean, to the extent that you can, maybe can you share, uh, you know, how you've taken what you've learned at FAA and applied that to Space Force, maybe what you think you're going to take back with you, how that collaboration and, you know, exchange has been going? Uh, sure. So, um, so definitely, you know, they're, they're a new service, right? They were really started, I think, in the middle of 2020. Uh, so I think from, from that perspective, I think they're still trying to organize. I'm in the cybersecurity group on the operations side. Uh, I am trying to bring some lessons learned from when we were organizing into, into our group and, and some of the, you know, the different challenges that we had to face in just forming a, a group in general um, and being able to start establishing those communication lines and, and showing that, hey, the benefits of, you know, having that information sharing um, and doing those reach outs as well. So I think from that standpoint, you know, I, I think I have brought that perspective in. Uh, DOD, you know, rightly so, typically does keep things, you know, closer to the vest. But, you know, again, that that is that is something that they're trying to change. Um, there, one of the main focuses I've had is really um, trying to see how I can embed more of the cybersecurity into their readiness. So the DOD, all the services have to report on their readiness, you know, to perform their mission. Um, and they do that, you know, they report to Congress uh, twice a year, but they, on a monthly basis, even are constantly, you know, putting in their assessments as to how ready their forces are to go ahead and perform their missions. And so I'm really looking at it from a cyber-centric standpoint and seeing, you know, what can we add into those processes so that when they're evaluating it, they're really looking in, at everything that they need to from a cyber standpoint. You know, cyber, when we think about it, sometimes we just think about it as, as the assets that we use directly for our mission. But it's much more than that, right? So we've got a whole stack to consider. So those systems depend on, you know, SCADA systems or control systems like air conditioning and, and electricity, right? And and those are those are components that actually reside within a facility. But then also we rely on on that electricity coming into the facilities as well. So you know, it's it's really looking at that whole stack uh, in its entirety. And so I, some of the things that DoD has done. Because um, I was actually also on a previous detail a few years ago, and the focus was on just that SCADA systems, which I also took back to the FAA. Is sometimes we forget about that, right? We just kind of just focus in on the direct assets associated with the mission and not look the, at the entire stack. But you know, to me, again, looking at it from that different perspective and being able to to say, hey, you know, this is something that we haven't thought about, like you know, making sure that we are taking into account everything within that mission stack, um, and that we are actually now start, starting to look at things from a readiness of mission standpoint. Um, it's been it's been really great for me. And like I said, more of you know anything that I brought from an FAA perspective is just more of the you know what we've done to establish ourselves as a cybersecurity organization within you know an operational environment. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I know this has been so far a great podcast. Uh, we have a couple more questions here, but one of the things I wanted to get into uh, has to do with, as you know, a lot of making these emerging technologies work is about people and technology. We can't have the, those things, and of course, process. And one of the interesting things that additional innovations that we've been seeing in the cybersecurity area uh, over the past, say, decade or so has been zero trust, which is really more of a, a an approach uh, architecture, a design philosophy, all those things, a methodology. Um, um, to what extent, you know, maybe have you have you been diving deep there? Kind of how has that informed sort of your strategy going forward? Would love to hear a little bit about that. 
So absolutely. Um, you know, and obviously there's executive orders on that for so all agencies have to respond to that. Um, but yes, I mean, from an from an FAA standpoint, we actually are coming up with infrastructure uh in that are that's actually going to be, and that's not just at the border, right? I think, you know, I think some of it zero trust is a little bit of a of a misconception because I think it's just an expansion of something that was already existing, right? So typically we are trying to protect our data. We are trying to protect our assets, um, but typically, typically we're looking at the boundaries, right? And so anything entering into it, but I think zero trust goes beyond that because now you, you need to ensure and assume that, hey, if something bad were to happen like malware, the assumption is, is that it gets into the environment, but now how are you containing that? So it doesn't go into other parts of the environment once you know it go, goes in there. I think there's a set of, of assumptions that now that now this new zero trust that we're looking at really needs to consider and then also being able to say hey you know now that 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 castle wall is breached you know what what additional types of layers do we need to put in place to ensure that it doesn't spread that it doesn't go into different areas that it doesn't go and touch some of our partners as well um so to me i think zero trust is is a, a heavy duty version of what we've been trying to do from a safety standpoint just really looking at it in, in multiple layers and in different segmented environments that now one of the areas that we are trying to do is really start segmenting, hey, what are most critical systems? What are our you know, semi-critical systems? And then what are you know kind of going down from there and really segmenting all of them in a way and protecting them accordingly, right? So that's what I think Zero Trust is doing because it, it's hard to secure everything as much as you'd want to, but at least now if you start segmenting all those different types of systems and, and really putting in those extra layers of protection where there's where they're really necessary that's what zero trust is really helping us trying to figure out and, and really that's how we're trying to address it from an FAA perspective yeah that's great great insights too and I like how you broke it down you know this has been such a wonderful podcast I know we could go on forever but I want to be mindful of everyone's time so we want to end with our final question what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in government? So I think from a government perspective, you know, and, and, you know, I think that the government really has a fundamental role as they do in, in many other things. If you think about GPS, if you think about you know, what we've done with NASA, you know, I, I think that from getting the, the ball started or initiating some of the these technologies and really getting them off the ground, right, initially is really important. Um, and so for me, I think the government and ensuring that we're creating ways of of ensuring that hey there are protections in place that there are ways of of really implementing these different types of new technologies that really can be used across the board again not just from a government perspective but then it also gets used um, for other types of purposes just like we started with GPS that was really something that was military that's now used everywhere you know I think you know as we start doing that from a government standpoint keeping that in mind and doing that you know from a from a from a better betterment of life or quality of life or from a you know a safety perspective that we are really kind of continuing to engage and, and are con continuing to invest in those different types of innovations um so that we can get to those those different places that we want to go to um but safely 
Yeah. And I love asking this question because we always get such varied responses. And I think people really bring in their own background. You know, you talk about GPS a lot. I think it's also interesting too, to see maybe how technology transforms over time, right? You know, you talk about how it was a very specific application and now GPS is in our everyday lives. I mean, I I don't think people can go anywhere nowadays in a place they don't know without using it. And sometimes people even use it to places they do know because maybe in case there's traffic, it'll reroute them to get there faster. So it's, you know, it's funny how technology evolves. I mean, you talked about even with procurement, how one to two years can be such an incredible amount of time and how things can change so much. When you think about it from an even broader perspective, you really get to see how it's, you know, what what does a decade do, right? It's crazy. Right. So Lucy, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. You were a wonderful guest. And I, I know that our audience got a lot out of this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All righty. And, you know, for everybody that's listening, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe so that you can get notified of all of our upcoming podcasts. We have many wonderful interviews lined up, and I don't want you to miss out on that. So get notified uh, by subscribing. And also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you're not already, you should consider becoming a GovFuture member. We had talked about that at the beginning. Uh, But, you know, it really is this opportunity for you to just take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with different government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, And also, you really have a platform in shaping the future of government innovation. So make sure to go to govfuture.com slash join. We've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. Again, that's govfuture.com slash resources, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.